Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. It's the beginning of season five, and I always like to start a new season with someone awesome, and this week is no exception. Mayor Yedin is my guest. We discuss his finger act, carrying on the legacy of David Roth, and so much more. Nick Lacapo joins me on the show to discuss the featured product of the week from Gogo Quivera. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments, where your favorite magicians share with me the magic they never leave the house without. This week, Mark D'Souza joins me for the Everyday Carry. Mark D'Souza, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the Everyday Carry. All right, you're going to go out, you're going to get groceries, you're going to meet a friend for coffee, you're just leaving your the, the place where you lay your head. But we both know you're a magic nerd, so you never leave the house without at least some magic. Mark D'Souza, what is your Everyday Carry? My Everyday Carry are, are it's not props per se. They're, they're not commercial tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're things to do tricks that I consider to be very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing in my wallet, I always have a $100 bill mm-hmm. because I always want to be prepared to do the, the one to 100 switch. Uh, boy, it doesn't get stronger than that. You go out on the street, you meet somebody, you borrow the hundred the $1 bill, change it into a hundred, change it back to one, give it back. And I've got in my routine, I've got a great excuse as to why I change it back, oh, uh, <laughs> which is, which is difficult. The other thing I started carrying a few years ago, I was sick and tired of, of getting change and putting it in my pocket and having it fall out when I sit down or mm-hmm. just, it just, it's unwieldy when you get too much change. So I started carrying a small black leather zippered purse hmm. to put my change in. And when I did that, that changed my life, if you'll excuse the expression. <laughs> uh, nowadays, I make certain that my change purse always has seven pennies and seven quarters. And the reason I do is those seven quarters are going to allow me to do any one of a variation of coins across. Uh, Very often I'll do flying eagles right out of Bobo yep. and right out of Eddie Fector's repertoire. Yeah. That's quite a lot from was Eddie Fector. Um, great trick. And you can do, you know, any of the Slidinia's Henping Gent kind of stuff with six coins, but the seventh coin is needed for flying eagles. The seven pennies I use because I love a trick. Uh, by a magician named Terry Lynn, which is also in Bobo. Uh, and it's generally referred to as the Terry Lynn Pennies trick. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys have published variations on it, but it's a great little thing to do for laymen where coins vanish from a person's hand and appear to penetrate right through their hand. Extremely interactive, extremely visual and, and baffling as can be. And uh, again, I've created a routine that those last two or three coins are the issue with the Terry Lynn pennies. Mm-hmm. And so I've created something around those that, that enables me to, to come up with a, a more definitive finish. But boy, look up that trick, Terry Lynn pennies, and look up the Flying Eagles. They're both in Bobo. Uh, I wouldn't want to carry Bobo around as my everyday carry because that's a darn hit. <laughs> I, I love the, the practicality of your everyday carry. I do have one technical question, though. The $100 bill, is it already folded up in your wallet, ready to go? You just have to dip into your pocket and sort of snatch it out of the wallet? It, it is pre-folded in my, in my billfold. If I know I'm going to be in a situation where that's going to happen, I do take it out and pre-fold it mm-hmm. uh, and, and leave it in my pocket. I do not use a TT. Mm-hmm. Uh, my handling is a no TT handling, which um, uh, is taught in my book. Uh, this is Deceptions, if you can find a copy. Yeah. Um, and also in uh, John Lovick's Switch. Oh, uh, that's wonderful. Based, 
and it's based on a handling created by my friends Marty Martin and Danny Archer. Uh, just made some variations, and and I have a, a, an idea of Kevin King's in there, which which is uh, I call the speed change. It's just this very visual, instantaneous change from the one to a hundred. I'll be sure to put some links in the, the description below so that uh, curious listeners can get their hands on some of those things so that they can do their own uh, tipless changes, shall we say. Mark D'Souza, okay. thanks so much for joining us here on The Everyday Carry. Thank you, Eric. Thanks so much to Mark D'Souza for joining me on the show. I have a really killer interview coming up with Mark very soon about the work he and I are doing to create a working group that will help support our North American magic competitors on the world stage. You won't want to miss it. On to the main event. Mary Yedid has traveled the world performing an act where his fingers vanished, stretched, and transformed. In recent years, he's released incredible effects and been a fantastic resource to magicians around the world as a publisher. I grabbed a little bit of Mare's time over Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. Mary Yedid, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm so sorry I haven't you had you on before. I've, at first, I thought I didn't have your phone number, and then it turns out I did, and I've asked you to be on before, but I've flaked. But finally, we're here. I got you on the uh-huh. podcast. I, I thought you just wanted to do these in alphabetical order. I know it's saving me for the end. <laughs> um, I have wanted to talk to you for a while because, you know, Nick LaCoppa was one of my best friends in the world, and he does the Great pinky guy. thing, which is based on your finger act. And it's something that, man, when I was young in Magic, this was one of those videos that was on the internet. I mean, you traveled the world taking your fingers off and putting them back on. I mean, People sometimes talk to me about how wonderful it is that I can have an act with just a single deck of cards. You don't even need that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was kind of my dream. Uh, you know, I was thinking back probably in high school is when I start, you know, when you start out in magic, you, you don't learn sleight of hand well enough to perform it at the beginning. So you look for gimmicks mm-hmm. and you could never carry gimmick stuff in school. Uh, that it's definitely not a deck of cards. Uh, so I was looking for finger tricks and I started playing with that, you know, when I was like maybe 16 years old before anything got really good. I was just learning any finger trick or nose trick or mm-hmm. any body trick, uh, you know, before I got into it. And then when I started hanging around with magicians, uh, probably around the age of 17 or so, uh, I met Tony Lopalato who invented the pinky back palm. Mm. Uh, but he was actually double jointed and had very limber fingers. He wasn't doing a trick with it. He was just making his, you know, pinky disappear. Uh, but I was a skinny kid with limber fingers too. (laughs) So I was able to do that. And for a long time I was doing that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, it was before I started paying attention to angles or actually performing it. Mm -hmm. So the ideal conditions for me we're sitting down in movie theaters or in the subway because when when I'm sitting down, I'm putting my hands between my thighs mm-hmm. and the two thighs are blocking all the angles uh, and people are looking down on it. Oh, okay. And so, so people could be sitting behind, you know, next to me, behind me or in front of me and all the angles were covered. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that and then, and then I started doing the telescopic pinky and stuff. But, you know, you can't, you know, I wanted to expand on it, you know, because now it's just like a quickie. You could, you know, this was before YouTube, so you could only really show it to one or two people at a time. Yeah. Uh, so, so when I started working on my uh, 
you know, formal close-up show, which is really what I enjoy doing more than walk around or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I needed to figure out how to do it in front of a large audience. And I've done this basic routine. I mean, just uh, two days ago, I did it in a 300-seat theater, and you can still see it. Wow. Uh, but I, I devised it originally for like 50 people that are standing in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and believe it or not, it, it was all about uh, my the way I was learning card magic is what allowed me uh, to find the angles for the finger magic. I, I know you're a big fan of Leonard Green type yeah. stuff. Uh, before Leonard Green, uh, my my mentor, you could call him a mentor. I mean, it was never formal, but I, I did a lot of his magic was Gene Mays. Yeah. And Gene Mays' routines were always angly. There was always a good angle and a bad angle. So yeah. uh, I, I kind of like learned uh, to f- to the right place to sit, the right place to stand, mm-hmm. stand the, the right angle to be at. Uh, also, slide. Slidini was a friend of mine too, and and as soon as he's entered a room, he immediately knows where he has to sit mm-hmm. if he's going to do magic that day. Yeah, you know he 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 you scout it. It's like this corner. If we're going into a restaurant, I got to sit here. I, and, and Gene Mays was the same way, because you know depending on the magic you're going to do, you have to be in a certain spot. Mm-hmm. So you're con- so basically you're controlling the the eyes of the audience. Uh, and no matter where they are, you're getting them to look a certain way. Yeah. So, so I applied everything I learned from the Gene Mays card work to finger magic. Wow. Uh, so the pinky was, it, it was not a matter of, uh, you know, where it is in your hand. Uh, if you're limber or not limber, it doesn't matter. But if you can get people instead of looking head on onto your hand, but look on an angle, now they can't see the finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we were doing us on video, I could actually demonstrate how you could force people to look where the finger isn't. Yeah. So, so once I figured out where the angles are for the pinky i realized well if you could do a pinky you could also do the other fingers Mm -hmm. so that's when i and it was just minor modifications in the angles to do the ring finger the middle finger the index finger even the thumb i published the thumb but it's not practical Mm -hmm. then i i did like multiple fingers so two out of the five fingers would vanish and three out of the five or and, you know, you know, I could also do it so only a thumb and index finger would be showing and uh, tons of different presentations until I found the one routine that I still use today. That's inc- trial and error over the years, you know, that's incredible. And and this act, and by the way, for anyone who's listening to this who hasn't seen it, you, there are videos of I mean, you didn't you do this on Johnny Carson or? Uh, the uh, I actually, you know, one of my regrets in life actually yeah. was, was, uh, you know, Dick Cabot is a friend of mine and he saw me do this very, very young yeah. and he was a really, really good friend of Carson's and he mm-hmm. also guest posted for him a bunch of times. So when he first saw my finger routine, he said, you know, Johnny would love this. Yeah. I could get you on the show. Oh. And I, and I was a young, stupid kid, not have not learned to take advantage of opportunities yet. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I only get one shot on the Carson show. If I have nothing to sell, it's a complete waste. Uh, yeah. So I backed off and then, you know, but, but I did meet Johnny Carson and he did see my finger routine, which is kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, I wish I could have shown Carson magic. I mean, that would be, 
but uh, you ha- but you have done this on television. I mean, like there oh, is yeah. there is video of you uh, doing it on the cabaret. I just couldn't remember which. Uh, well, program. the Paul Daniels show I did That's it. in England. That's and the that one that I've aired seen. all over the planet. In yeah. the U.S., uh, it was Comedy Tonight. Mm-hmm. I did it on. Uh, oh, by the way, I think uh, in October uh, I I taped it for Masters of Illusion. Oh, really? And I uh, and it's probably going to be on. Uh, Either last week in October, early week in November. I'm not sure yet. Oh, that's really exciting. Well, I, you know, I'll uh, as, as soon as it does air, I'll uh, yeah. maybe I'll try and like schedule this podcast to come out around that, so maybe we can get a little juice for <laughs> well, it. Well, but... there's no guarantee. Uh, oh, yeah. This was supposed to air last season, yeah. and they pushed it to the next season. Uh, you know, it's but it, yeah, I did it on the Tom Reese TV series. Yeah. I did it on uh, German TV. Like you were saying at the beginning, I got to travel all over the planet. Yeah, because I had a, an act that nobody's done before. You know, with not just without props. It's just so weird. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting. I don't, you know, becoming associated with a particular act is, is, it's not something that I'm a stranger to, but I think it's something that it doesn't happen often in magic and for it to become so iconic, I mean, it's basically a trademark. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that must, you must, what's it like when people come up and show you your own material that sort of influenced <laughs> the world of of that. I'm yeah. just I'm curious because there's not many people who yeah. I've talked to like yeah, that. Well, well, you know what's funny is when I first started doing this, nobody was doing finger magic. I, yeah. I mean, a couple of people did gags, but nobody ever dreamed of actually doing it for for people. Mm-hmm. So when I first started performing, these magicians would come up to me and they would show me like stupid finger tricks that they know that I may not have seen before. Yeah, uh, a lot of it was is in uh, Martin Gardner and Hugh Gard's Magic Monthly, but it was really cool stuff, and some of it was original. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it, they gave me permission to publish. Like, you know, when you do that fake snap thing, Yeah. uh, you you know, nobody was doing that until I published it and started doing it at (laughs) lectures. And then everybody started doing it. Uh, uh, Joe Berg taught me, uh, one of his, uh, uh, finger routines that I published, uh, that was very original. Uh, I was coming up with a lot of stuff and I could have gone on and done a lot more finger magic than I actually did. It's, yeah. it's another one of these things when you're very young, mm-hmm. you know, you publish a book, you know, Finger Fantasies mm-hmm. uh, that Harry Lorraine wrote for me. And uh, what happens is I continue to create. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens the same with card magic and stuff that I've published. Uh, I continue to improve, change, vary. Uh, and what happens is when magicians see these variations, they get upset because it wasn't in the book they bought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I had to go backwards and decided, you know, this is my finger routine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mess with it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, basically. I might not. Have, I've made some ch- minor changes, but yeah. nothing that's noticeable. Um, uh, so I kind of stopped working on finger magic because of that. Uh, and then. I, I don't quite know the history of this and when this happened, but but the man who became known around the world for taking his fingers off then lost one of his fingers, and how? Yeah, that was that was weird. <laughs> you do have a, a pretty wonderful sense of humor about it, which is because I mean, a lot of people that would have ended their career, but you persevered oh, uh, on. You and, know, when I was doing physical therapy, I was actually shocked that uh, you you know the people that were most upset that 
felt after losing a finger that they they thought their life was over is is the one guy I met who was like pumping gas. That's what he did for a living. But he yeah. thought losing his index finger was going to end, you know, uh, destroying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I just never, you know, never stopped uh, thinking about magic. Uh, I mean, I could tell you what happened. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little curious as to what happened, if you wouldn't mind yeah. sharing. And then how did no. it, how did it change? the finger act and also the rest of your magic sorry to interrupt but this week the show is brought to you by locator deck from gogo Quervera. nick lacapo joined me via zoom to discuss this incredible mark deck effect that flies right under the radar nick i had never really met gogo Quervera before and he showed me some effects with cards that fooled the daylights out of me and then it turned out he was using an old principle to absolutely fly under the radar and just crush me mm, old principle but not possible to obtain until we printed it yeah i think that's and the thing are. is that yeah. it, it's it used to be a crapshoot as to whether or not you could do this yeah yeah like if you wanted to do this you couldn't just go do it and what are we talking about well it's a special deck of cards that i mean i could run the gamut of this is just one of those impossible sounding things like shuffled deck from by the spectator. They slide out any card that they want. You don't have to look. They put it back in the deck. They shuffle the deck, you know, impossible conditions. And you can know what card they chose and where it is in the deck. It's under your control the entire time. Locator deck is believe it or not, precision printed in, in come in, by the United States Playing Card Company, we worked very hard with them to to get these made right. And this is one of those things he was kind of showing around at Magic Live, and he was like, he's got some really interesting ideas with it. You know, this is a fully gimmick deck, but it's a fully gimmick deck that comes with 52 playing cards, and it's ready to go right out of the box. He teaches you the stuff that he's doing with it in his theater and his his professional gigs. And you're going to get a lot of fun out of this. And at first, you're going to be like, oh, I've I've known this principle, but using this deck of cards, it allows you to, I mean, you'll be able to fool other magicians with it because they won't recognize the power of what you're using. It's fully gimmick, but it's completely examinable. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, this, is, this is just a deck of cards. Uh, it's also priced at a good price so that you can, you know, pick up a bunch of them if you need to. Yeah. And yeah, you will fool magicians with it. And... Yeah, you might also, when you learn the secret, say, "Oh, well, isn't that just this?" But there's some there's the subtle things that have, that we had to jump through hoops to fix mm-hmm. with this make this thing incredible. Um, and yes, Gogo's routines are just straight up foolers. Yeah. So you'll you'll learn some things here that you'll you'll just be doing right away uh, if you if, if you pick it up. Locator deck by Gogo Quervera. Check it out. That was Locator Deck by Gogo Cuerva, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the incredible listeners to the show receive 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is one way. That's one way, all one word, O-N-E-W-A-Y for 25% off Locator Deck by Gogo Cuerva. That code is only good for Locator Deck and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, Back to my conversation with Mary Yedid. Yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm a little curious as to what happened, if you wouldn't mind yeah. sharing. And then how did no. it how did it change the finger act and also the rest of your magic? Because I think that that's oh. something that yeah. Oh, yeah. not Absolutely. a lot of people think about. 
Oh yeah. Uh, so you know, I was so I, I started doing my basic finger routine that you can see on YouTube or whatever. Uh, uh, probably at the 1979 is when he was forming. By 1980 it was a solid routine. That's yeah. pretty much what I'm doing. And early '81 is when Harry Lorraine and public singer fantasies. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing now. I'm like popular. I'm traveling. I'm doing TV shows, magic conventions. I put a le- you know lectures, all that stuff. And I'm the finger guy. Uh, uh, Comedy Tonight aired in uh, May of that year, uh, 1986. Uh, then I shot a uh, a music video, the Ramones music video, Something to Believe in, oh. where I made uh, my index finger and ring finger disappear on that video. Yeah. Okay. So that started airing probably maybe June of that month, uh, of that year, 86. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then uh, I'm at Tannen's Magic Camp. I was you know, one of the uh, like minor organizers that year. And uh, coincidentally, uh, the Comedy Tonight spot was rerunning during the Magic Camp. Mm-hmm. So all the counselors sat around. It was a late night show and they watched the show and stuff. So this is all leading up. To, to, so at the end of the camp, uh, I'm driving Hiawatha to the airport mm-hmm. in my car. And, uh, you know, we're going regular speed, you know, I'm not really speeding or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, all of a sudden my rear tire of my car blows out oh. and I'm trying, and I'm trying to, uh, keep control of the car and all those things they teach you in school, like pump the brakes and all that. <laughs> so I'm doing all of that stuff, but the car is just too strong for me to, yeah. to hold on to. Uh, so, it, so it goes, uh, I was on the left lane, so it goes into the, um, the area between the high, the two highways, the two directions. Yeah. And it, it hits like a, 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 like a sand embankment and it does like a complete flip and, or, and wow. And, and the guardrail on the expressway goes right through the roof, like a can opener. And I used to drive with my right hand on top of the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And that's when it came right in and chopped off that whole third Ooh. of my hand. And then it, the uh, car did like three more flips, uh, landed upside down and, you know, helicopters landed and all that stuff. The police report said they found my, uh, my ring finger and my uh, uh, pinky were attached by one piece of skin and were found a hundred yards away from where the car ended up. Oh my so God. we're talking about a football field away. Yeah. And but but some of the people, I guess there was doctors there. They put it in a cooler. A helicopter landed, took me to a hospital. Mm-hmm. They reattached everything. It was like a fourteen and a half hour surgery. Oh. Um, and uh, you know they reattached the 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 ring finger didn't take at the end, which was actually the one that was in good shape. Mm-hmm. And the pinky that was like crushed and destroyed, and only about half of it is left. It mm-hmm. was like I'm, I'm missing a knuckle. That ended up taking. Uh, but you know, I had another like seven surgeries and stuff to clean things out, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, uh, in the hospital, it it was amazing. Uh, everybody was calling me and writing me letters. I recently went through like a box of the get well cards that I got while I was in the hospital Mm -hmm. and it was literally the who's who in magic. Uh, you know, it was, it was mind boggling to see all those names that I forgot uh, about, but you know, I was getting calls every day from like, you know, David Copperfield, Kreskin, and, uh, 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 actually I think Mike Skinner, uh, uh, was one of the first people to call, uh, 
uh, uh, Doug Henning, that was like so cool. Yeah. Doug Henning called me and he said, hey, you know, I just heard from Charlie Reynolds about your accident. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm about to jump on a plane, but, you know, please, you know, stay strong, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was the plane. He, he he ended his tour and went to India. So nobody heard from him for a long time after that <laughs> phone call. <laughs> but, you know, everybody was, you know, because I worked at Tannins at the time. So yeah. I kind of knew all these magicians anyway, because they all came to Tannins. And I used to hang out at the cafeteria. And so I, I these were my friends. They mm-hmm. was, weren't like, you know. But uh, I think the first letter came from Amazing Randy, believe it or not. It was like a big, big, long letter about, yeah. you know, how to stay strong and whatever. Well, clearly you, you overcame and you, you've, uh. it's, uh, you, you are the very definition of when people go, my hand is too small. And you're like, well, I'm missing a third of mine and I still, <laughs> still do it. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I used to do that as a gag in the lecture. <laughs> you know, if I can do it, you have no excuse. <laughs> I got major league windows. You know? <laughs> but but, uh, but the uh, uh, but I, going back to about yeah. the, the you know never letting you go down. What I because I was getting so many phone calls and visitors. I mean, Johnny Ace Palmer took like uh, two trains and a bus and and a subway. It took him four hours to vi- to come visit me at the hospital, uh, mm-hmm. just you know, to see how I was doing. I mean, it was like really unbelievable. But mm-hmm. all the phone calls I was getting is where I was, I was, you know, they were so sad calling me. Mm-hmm. You know, how I I kind of like felt it was my duty to cheer them up, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't want, and you know, I've never been a victim. I don't want to think of myself as a victim, and I, I didn't, I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. That's just like really weird. Yeah. Uh, so I was constantly cheering everybody up, you know, when they called me. So that's a. Uh, it started there, and a, I was already working on my finger act, doing it left-handed. Oh. Uh, because okay. before the accident, I was doing it righty, mm-hmm. and in the book, I said anybody could do it. So now I had to prove <laughs> that I could learn. <laughs> I could I had to prove that I could do it left-handed, and I ended up doing. It. It's not as good as when it was righty, but, yeah. uh, you know, because of muscle and limberness and stuff. But it's, you know, it's a it's it's an amazing story though, and you know, it, it's it it's sort of it. I've always kind of wondered. You have sort of found yourself as the caretaker of many of these past masters because I think you're responsible for David Roth's. Um, uh, material yeah, yeah, estate, yeah. right? And it seems to me that that the fact that you cultivate, like, yes, these people called you to take care of you, but you actively cultivated a relationship with them in a very positive manner. And that is that seems, to, I mean, because I had a question about how you sort of ended up in this position of being the caretaker of many of the the yeah. repertoires of yeah. past masters. And I'm wondering, it's it's probably just because you're a decent human, like you're a great magician, but you're a decent human being who's trying to take care of people who are taking care of you is so how you've ended up in this situation. Uh, I, I don't, I, not in a conscious way. What mm-hmm. you're saying could be partially true, but I, I never really tried to do any of these things. Yeah. It's just fell in, you know, I, I don't look at the future. I don't look at money. Uh, you know, uh, every deal I get into my, my mind is the absolute, I, and I don't want to give this as advice to anybody who listens, <laughs> but, but ev- every deal I get into, I look at, can I break even short term? Mm-hmm. I never look at profit, which is the wrong way to stay in business. Yeah. So a lot of these things I did because I wanted to do it and I didn't think I was going to lose money doing it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it started actually with Jeff Stewart. He was uh, a friend of mine. He, he was getting out of magic. He was getting into robot business. Mm -hmm. And I bought his product line. And I learned a very important lesson when I was just selling, uh, you know, the Mayor Yedid products and stuff I invented. Mm -hmm. It was very awkward for me to tell people how good it was. It was like always made me feel like a, a, a sleazy guy. Yeah. So when I started selling other people's magic, I could say, hey, this is great. And I won't feel bad about saying that because I believed it. I, uh, I empathize sorry. with you so much. I have the worst time <laughs> pitching my own products, but you give me yeah. something that somebody else created, and I am yep. happy to tell you how wonderful that thing is. E exactly. So once I learned that lesson, I started you know, looking around and talking to my friends. Hey, I'd like to put that out. I'd like to buy the rights to that. And it's kind of snowballed. And, mm. you know, when my friends like Gene Mays passed away, I, I felt an obligation to keep his name alive. So mm. I, I released a bunch of stuff and his home movies and his videos uh, and, and the trick that I put out with a chain of his. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's I pace myself. I don't put it all at once and then everybody's forgotten about him. Same thing with Herb Zarrow. Besides the book, you know, yeah. I, I have a bunch of stuff that I'll be putting out hopefully in the future. Not, uh, and David, you know, Michael Rubenstein, you know, uh, yeah. I put out a bunch of his stuff. And and the, and the way that came about uh, is, you know, he had stem cell replacement, so he didn't know how much time. He's fine now. Yeah. But at the time, uh, he didn't know how much time he had left and stuff. So he wanted me to kind of like take care of his product line and mm -hmm. keep the name moving and and that actually led to david roth mm -hmm. in, in some way south stone when he passed away his son contacted me and i got you know getting his name mm -hmm. i i just want to re i don't want people to forget him because i you look at slidini and charlie miller and yeah and the average magician under the age of 30 has no idea or under 20 has no idea who they are yeah and charlie meant Charlie Miller probably contributed as much to card magic as Vernon, but nobody knows his name. Uh, it's what you do is such important work. And I always, you know, I, I view my role at Penguin as our archivist, uh, as one of the more important things that I do for the company. Yes, it's important that I sell products so that we can make money and mm -hmm. feed the families of all the wonderful mm -hmm. people and creators that we work with, but making sure that these, uh, videos and images and recordings of people of of masters who you know we may never see the likes of again making sure that that is taken care of and passed on to the next generation in a way where where the art can be furthered and continued is arguably more important than anything else i do for the company and it, it sounds like you kind of feel that that obligation yeah. to history yeah 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 when a1 first started like needing money mm -hmm. uh you know he wasn't doing well and i knew mike maxwell pretty well that's when I started, you know, buying the rights to a lot of their videos. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got all the Michael Skinner stuff because he is a friend of mine and I wanted to keep that going. I got that after he passed away. But uh, I, I got all the Martin Nash stuff and Ma mm -hmm. Martin was a good friend of mine before he passed away. So he was actually very, very excited mm -hmm. that I was going to get all these VHFs, convert them to DVD and get them into the hands of other people. Yeah. You know, I got all the Leonard Green stuff. I got, you know, it's, it's people that I like, uh, you know, some are still alive. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like this is like a graveyard of magic. But Hey, I wouldn't be anywhere today if you hadn't gotten a hold of that Leonard Green stuff and, and put it onto a DVD so that a, yeah. a young Eric Tate could learn it and then take that stuff out there. So, I mean, I, I, I owe my career as much to Leonard as I do to you. <laughs> 
Thanks. Well, but uh, yeah. Mayor, I could talk to you about this stuff all day. Uh, so I think what we're just going to have to do is because we're about out of time, I'm going to have to have you back on because I think that you've got a million and a half stories that our listeners need to hear. Uh, anytime. I'd love it. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, Mayor. Thank you, Aaron. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Mayor Yedid for the conversation and thanks to you for listening. Before we go, I hate to start off a season like this, but last week we said goodbye to an absolute legend in card magic. Darwin Ortiz passed away. Darwin Ortiz was an incredible magician, author, and card player who transformed the world of magics with his books Designing Miracles and Strong Magic. His other books, Card Shark, Gambling Scams, and The Annotator de Urnes, are widely considered to be unparalleled contributions to the world of card magic. Very, very few magicians have contributed to the art form in the way his body of work did, and even fewer can claim to have produced a number of incredibly skilled students who will continue to push forward the world of card magic. Dorwin Ortiz will be missed. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you've been sharing pictures of tiny dogs on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you have to write it on a chew toy and send it to my house. I, I've been pup-sitting a new dog and a penguin crew named Archie, and we, we basically have a full-on pack now, so I'm going to need a lot more bones to go around. But... If taking care of teacup canines isn't your idea of a cup of joe, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. <laughs>